They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Yeah, it's recording. Okay. Well, Nathan, this morning, as I was getting ready for school, I, uh, well, I wasn't watching the news, but Dad was watching the news, and who should be advertised as uh, getting ready to talk about sports but our head of production design, Jake Brand? Really? Yeah. <laughs> So, Jake, uh, don't forget to give us a shout-out when you're when you're doing the news. Don't forget to push us. And, uh, yeah, congratulations. You know, congratulations and whatever. But don't, don't forget to – don't forget – don't forget where you came from. Yeah, yeah. Even though I think we – no, we did – well, uh, depending on when you say he started working for this – for the news, we sort of – had him before but no no yeah. nathan we made him we made jake's career yeah 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 <laughs> yeah well that is exciting i actually had lunch with jake uh two days ago i think or yesterday someday two days ago i'm on i'm on break i can't you know keep days in my mind everything just blurs together well I'm not on break. I'm back at school. <laughs> Final semester. Big deal. Very exciting. Very exciting. Then you'll go to full-time podcast hosting with me, right? Yep. Yep. I'm going to turn this into a career. Nice. All right. Well, then we better we better get to get to the stuff we're paid for then. Uh, Elliot, do you want to introduce – you chose this movie, so do you want to introduce this film for our – listening audience uh sure let me just so the ballad of buster scruggs is a 2018 western anthology film directed by oh excuse me directed by joel and ethan cohen starring a whole host of people because obviously it's an anthology but i think the headliners are tim blake nelson liam neeson uh james franco uh zoe kazan <laughs> Harry Melling, and Tom Waits. And Brendan Fraser. What? And yeah, 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 there you go. Did you say Brendan Fraser? No, sorry, um, Brendan Gleeson. Yikes. Elliot's just got that, what, what do they call huge fans of the whale by Darren Aronofsky? Whalers. <laughs> He's got that. They call us whalers. Yeah, Elliot's a whaler. <laughs> Elliot's a whaler. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm Fraser not saying that. <laughs> I I do not care for Darren Aronofsky movies. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah, we're watching we're watching the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Came out a couple of years ago. It was uh, reasonably successful. I looked at 
was nominated for three Oscars Academy Awards, including Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, didn't win. It lost to Black Adapted Panther. from what? I, according to the thing I saw, the uh, gold prospector story and then the girl, the wagon trail story, are both adapted from a short story. Hmm. Yeah. But so it's on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, we'll be talking about spoilers during this. So go watch it. We keep funneling our audience to Netflix because we're getting paid. <sighs> I wish. Anyway, yeah, I'm really excited about this one because this is Elliot. You love the Coens because you have uh, brain damage. <laughs> Dang, that was brutal. Yeah, take that. And but, I don't have um, I don't have brain damage, but dang, that was brutal. And I don't have brain damage. <laughs> Good one. Um, but yeah, the Coens are one of Elliot's uh, favorite directors. I do not enjoy them as much as him. This is probably one of the few Coen Brothers movies that I do enjoy. So I was I was kind of excited to get back to this one, Elliot. This is the third time you've seen it. This is the fourth. Really? Oh, okay. I've watched it more than a... Well, I've watched it a, a handful of times. Yeah, well, four is a lot. I don't... I, people who watch like movies like ten times, even movies I love, I can only watch them like twice a year. Mm. So I don't, I don't get people who... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of what movies I've seen more than ten times. It's not, not a whole lot I can think of. It's got to be stuff from our childhood. Anyway, not yeah. <laughs> we're getting sidetracked. So, Elliot, uh, what did you think? We'll start with you. What What were your thoughts on this fourth watch? I really liked it. Uh, this isn't one of those movies that I like more the more I watch it, like Interstellar. <clears throat> Nor is it a movie that I like less the more I watch it, like The Shining, as we found out when we reviewed it. It's one of those movies that is just really solid, and it's always been solid. And yeah, I've watched it several times now. It's just good for, uh, it's always good for a good time. I think that all of the stories uh, in the movie are entertaining. I like some of them more than others, but I'm assuming we'll get to the ones that we'd like and dislike, or like and like less later on. But on the whole, I think that they are all perfectly Coen Brothers-y. I think that this is a revelation that I had when I was watching it yesterday. I think that the Coen Brothers do dramatic irony better than like anyone in the business. So many of their stories revolve around people essentially like essentially a boomerang effect of people doing bad things that comes around to bite them in darkly amusing ways. So like Fargo, um, a lot of the stories in this, I know you haven't seen it, but The Man Who Wasn't There uh, and A Serious Man, both of those have big, you know, almost Shakespearean kind of rise and fall energy. And I think I think that you know, uh, there there are so many perfect examples of that in this movie. The one that comes immediately to mind would be, oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called, but the the second one about the bank robber, who uh, 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 
bridge, huh? something like that? Yeah, near, near some Algon. location. Near Algones. Oh. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah, with uh, the bank robber making a few trips to the to the gallows, and I think they made a meme out of some part of it. Nathan, you would know better than me. Yes, well, you sound like you're 100 years old. I think they made one of those internet <laughs> images. <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't go old. <laughs> Yeah, the meme. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't follow. I don't follow that kind of thing. Nathan is, you know, Nathan is your typical phone addicted millennial. So Nathan, take it away. Take it away with my thoughts or with the meme. With what? With, didn't they? Did they not? Did they? Did they not make a meme out of this? Yes, the shot of James Franco saying first time to the guy is a meme. There you go. All right, now you can say your thoughts. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, well, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of this stuff. I do think on this, I think the first time I saw this, I was really enamored with it. I think this second time, I don't think all of the stories work as well on rewatch, just because I think... It's less of like, a, oh, what's going to happen? And more of like a slowly waiting for something to happen that you already know is going to happen. <laughs> Don't glare at me. This is not the only time I'm going to diss this movie. So you need to get over it. <laughs> but I do think for the most part, this movie is incredibly funny. I love Buster Scruggs. He... I don't know how long his episode is, but there's so much personality and heart in the like seven minutes that honestly, if you do nothing else, if you haven't seen this movie, just watch the first story because it's super funny, very good. And, you know, if you think it's good, I think you'd also maybe enjoy the other ones. But I really enjoyed this. For the most part, my issue with Coen Brothers movies typically is that they are not funny and are not enjoyable to watch. And so... Uh, this is one of the sort of rarities in their filmography that it's very funny. It's very enjoyable to watch. So, <laughs> well, that's great, Nathan. I'm I'm glad that you're so. I'm glad that you struggle so much with high-minded dark comedies. All right, all right. Well, let's 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 do this in the anthology. Let's go from story to story and let's talk about them one by one. So I've already sort of said, first one is the Ballad of Buster, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I did a little ranking of them. This is my favorite. It's super funny. I think Tim Blake Nelson is super hilarious. I love the one line. I love all of his lines, but specifically I love the one, uh, you're as poor a judge of human character as you are a specimen of it or something like that. I find that really funny. And just all of his lines are very funny. And yeah, I, I I really enjoy this first story. I agree. I think this is definitely my favorite one as well. And I also I also think it's really funny. And I think that Tim Blake Nelson honestly is an actor that's kind of who's kind of slept on. I've really enjoyed him in everything I've seen him. Like I know you didn't watch it, and I didn't particularly care for it, but he was one of my favorite parts of the Watchmen show on HBO Max. And he's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is another Coen Brothers yes. movie. 
I also think that this is probably the the story that I would most like to see, you know, long form to see an entire movie uh, made out of it because Buster Scruggs, it's weird. He's like scary because he's so vicious. Like he is a absolute sociopath. Uh, he's sadistic. I think like he, he enjoys killing people, but he's played and written in so, with so much charisma and charm that I don't think I really noticed just how much of a psychopath he was until, like, my third viewing. I was like, dang, this guy really likes killing people. Because, you know, I, I think it's one of the moments of very good dark comedy when he's at that first saloon and the guy asks, you're shooting iron works and he just shoots him. And he's like, there's to do. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> Which is funny. But also, yeah, he's so, he's scary. And then, uh, later on when he doesn't want to play the hand of poker. And for a while I thought it was just because, you know, he was just causing trouble. But I then later learned that actually that hand is what's called the dead man's hand, uh, which is part of a probably apocryphal story of the Wild West, wherein somebody was at a poker table and uh, they got shot and that was the hand they had. But it's still how he immediately jumps to violence in all of these situations, I think is, yeah, he's, he's a scary guy. Yeah, well, and I read, and I don't want to dive too deep, because I do think there's some thematic joining material between the stories that I think we should talk about maybe once we're done talking about all of them. But I was reading reviews, and one of them compared Buster Scruggs. They said he was like a smiling Anton Chigurh, that he just appears to have no empathy for other human beings, but his cheery disposition makes you think that he's maybe a better person than he is. And I agree. I think the first time I saw this with you, I think I said, I'm like, I think he's trying to kill some, like, I think he's happy that he's murdering these people. He shoots, when he's in the duel with uh, Surly Joe's brother, he shoots off all of his fingers. And then, yeah, he just turns to the camera and he's grinning and he's like, I ain't got but the one bullet left. And then he's like, uh, see, we're both, his heart will be on the left. Of course, we're both face, of course, we're both facing south and the gun's upside down, so best not to play too fancy. That's, that's funny, but also, yeah, he's making such a show of it. He's having so much fun murdering this guy. No, yeah, I, I agree. It's very fun, but I think it does have, it does introduce a lot of the things that then the rest of the stories have as well. So well, we'll I think that one. What, oh, one more thing. I think that the key to his character, and I do think it's worth you know it's worth praising how much we could talk about just this one story in the anthology. I think the key to his character is when he is trying to defend himself against the charge of misanthropy, and he lists all of these terrible things that people do. And he says, you know, anyone who gets mad about that is just a fool for expecting better. So he's not mad. He's, he doesn't hate people. He just likes killing them. 
Well, and I think I think he has a very dim view of people that he feels is very is reinforced every time he you know he goes into a saloon. He just wants a drink, and the guy's trying to pick a fight with him, and so he's happy to fight. Obviously, he doesn't have an issue with then murdering the guy, but. Yeah, I think he has a very dim view of people, and so he's fine with conforming to that view and not trying to be a better person and just being like, okay, if we have to fight, sure, I'll kill you. So, mm-hmm. I'd also like to say, in that first scene, I love the detail of, obviously, the gag of the dust <laughs> set, staying in his shape is cute, but also when he shoots the bartender, there's like a second where you can see light coming in through the bullet hole through the guy and i don't know how they did that if that's cgi or something but it was just it it was there for like half a second and i was like oh that was really that's it's really neat well yeah he's oh my he's such a he's such a sadistic you know he really (laughs) is a smiling antoine chigurh because when he when he steps past the guy who's bleeding out and trying to crawl away and he just gives that amiable let me get that for you partner it makes me laugh but also i'm like oh that is so brutal that is merciless (laughs) yeah all right well let's move on let's move on to the the second one is the near adelgrad avalgrad here i've got a i've got a list near algodones Near Al Gadones. So this is the one with Probably James not Franco. how that's pronounced. Well, you know, we're not from New Mexico, so how are we supposed to pronounce it? We're from old Mexico. Yeah. But this is this is the one with uh James Franco. Uh I've got this one right right in the middle of my my ranking. I think this one's pretty fun. I do think the ending is a little rushed that he just, he escapes and like two minutes later, he's back. I would have enjoyed it if there had been a bit more misadventures before he was then recaptured and hung. But I I think the standout scene in this one for me is him outside the bank and then going in and then Steven Root's character. (laughs) You ever been robbed? And he tells this long, rambly incredibly violent story about people who's tried to rob it i i think that scene is very fun yeah i hmm yeah i would say this is probably like it's probably in the middle for me as well i think it's it might be the most cohen's uh it definitely reminds me the most of fargo yeah. in the sense that it's about somebody making a bad decision that they're constantly sort of that never really never really gets resolved for them or that is it just gets out of control really quickly and they never get back get a handle on it again yeah i think that (laughs) i think it's i i love the quote-unquote trial scene the second time when he's arrested and he's like he gets taken to the judge and the judge is just sitting on his porch and he's like what this guy do and he's like the the uh deputy says he's a cattle rustler alleged he's an alleged cattle rustler he's like and he tries to protest and he's like shut up uh and then he says he was caught with uh, rustled steer or something and the judge is like, good enough, hang him. 
Western justice, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a beautiful thing. I I also think you mentioned it earlier, but him saying first time to the guy crying at the gallows is funny in is incredibly funny in context. Mm-hmm. Like it, I just find that one very funny. Otherwise, I don't I don't think this one is quite as enjoyable as Buster Scruggs, and it's certainly not as you know interesting. And I I agree, it's very similar to Fargo or No Country for Old Men that it's just someone forced to run with the decision longer than maybe they would have wanted to. Also, this this story, like all of them, I feel like all of these stories revolve around a piece of iconography from, you know, Western lore uh, or wild Western lore. So, like, the first one, I would say, is sort of centered around the quick draw duel. And then the second one is the bank robber. As well as, <clears throat> as well as the the hanging tree, as it's called, and I think that they're they're all they're they're all present and correct, and they're all done very well. The I feel like the Coen brothers could have made exclusively neo westerns in their career, and they probably would have been fine. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about the third one. This is uh, my least favorite one. Really? This is me. Yes, Meal Ticket with Liam Neeson and Henry Melving? Melling. 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 Yeah, this one, I think on rewatch, this was the one where it was the biggest, like, really the only interesting facet is revealed kind of at the end when Liam Neeson kills the guy he's been traveling with. And I just, I, on rewatch, I was just sitting there and I didn't feel like there was anything interesting setting up that choice later on. Like, yeah, Liam Neeson is a jerk and does jerky sort of things, but it doesn't feel like there's anything sort of interesting or meaningful to it beyond just, you know, he's a greedy dirtbag. I mean, I guess I I feel like the story kind of it follows his disillusionment with the this the, this life that he lives, which is a fairly depressing one. And that, you know, there's obviously not a whole lot of character development in this because a Harry Melling never talks outside of his little mobile theater thing and Liam Neeson barely talks but I still think that I I like this story for its I don't know it's bleak aesthetic and it is it is very dark (laughs) you know it's just one of those stories that kind of kind of like the Green Knight just sort of fires up my imagination like it, it made me want to learn more about who these people were, how Liam Neeson came to be this person's ward, and whether or not, whether or not, I think he doesn't even get a name, the thespian, whether or not he can ev- he's even capable of talking outside of his performances. I don't know. There, it's just, 
it just it just really interested me, you know. Hmm. I, it was one of those stories, kind of like uh, <laughs> here's a fantastic uh, comparison, kind of like Dark Souls, in that there you get the sense of a lot of history that you're missing out on, but that you want to find out about, or at least I wanted to find out about. Yeah, I guess I guess I I'd be interested to see any of those things, but I just I don't I feel like there's so little there that by the end I'm like, okay. Although I do think the sequence of him stopping and then watching Liam Neeson find a boulder to throw in the thing is incredibly dark. I mean, that is ruthless, yeah. And it's it's playing off that classic western trope, you know, the chicken that can count. That classic, that class, we've seen it a million times. No, but it is, it is, the, <laughs> the traveling circus, or not, sir, but the traveling act is a classic image from old westerns. I know, I'm just, I'm just teasing, I'm just yanking your chain. <laughs> I feel like this story is... And we can definitely argue or talk about whether or not it achieves this, but I think the story is supposed to pull a bait and switch on you where you feel like Liam Neeson is a kindly old man who's trying to take care of this paraplegic. I think that's the right term for it. Um, But then, of course, it ends up, it turns out that he's just a profiteering murderer. And I don't think, if that is the intention, I don't think it, really gets there probably because they don't talk to each other at all but i still do enjoy it for its aesthetics yeah i guess it's it's neat and it's demonstrably i like how we haven't mentioned it up to this point but like each of the sections is noticeably different in the way it's shot in the way it's lit and this one is i mean beyond just being the darkest story i'd say well, maybe a girl who was rattled is darker, but it's certainly a very dark story. And it's also like everything takes place at night. It's the winter. There's snow everywhere. Like it's a very bleak, sad one. And I just I just find it a bit of a slog on rewatch. Whatever. Nathan has no attention span. <laughs> All right. Well, that now we get to our next one, which is All Golden Valley. All Gold Canyon. All Gold Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy this one. This one's fun. It's. Uh, I think it's one of the more. I mean, kind of like the last one. It's very minimal in terms of the story. The guy just comes to a valley looking for gold, and uh, then finds golden leaves. You know, it's. <laughs> it's pretty simple. But I find it very fun. Tom Waits, who plays the prospector man, I find him funny. Him constantly saying, Mr. Pocket, I'm coming for you, Mr. Pocket. Where are you, Mr. Pocket? I also think it's the like shots of vistas and nature is just absolutely gorgeous. I yeah, love it's, it. It's, it's jaw-dropping. Yeah. And I think that this story is probably the most the one that's most concerned with like thematic material. And I think that the shots of natural splendor are a big part of that because I've always thought that this story is 
I think that this one is about the effect that people have on nature. Like, you start with these shots of sublime, untouched natural splendor, and then it very purposefully shows all of the animals leaving when he arrives. And then at the end, after he's sort of torn up the valley, he's taken some of the eggs, he's taken some of the fish, he's obviously <laughs> polluted the river with his blood and dust and stuff, and he's killed someone. After that, everything just sort of comes back. So it's a very Coen Brothers-y kind of message in that, you know, all humans can really do is mess things up and hurt each other. But in the end, none of it really matters because nature is nature will outlast all of us, you know, which is true, yeah. uh, true to a certain extent. Uh, but I think that the, the story, it is still an entertaining one and it delivers these themes effectively. Uh, obviously, it does because it was obvious enough for a stupid head like me to understand it. And I do agree that Tom Waits does a really good job. And I really like the sequence when the... There's a term for these kind of people. People who will follow... Who would follow prospectors around and then try to steal their claim. I don't know what it was, but... I like the scene where he... Where this little kid... Well, he's not a little kid, but he's a younger man. Shoots him in the back and then they have a big fight over the gold and that uh, the prospector eventually wins. I think that that scene's really well done, especially that first shot of him looking at the gold and you just see the, the shadow come up over his shoulder. It's, it's well, it's good filmmaking. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's classic Coen brothers violence that it's very abrupt. It's very aggressive. And then that whole sequence of him, Right, he rolls a cigarette, he's sitting there waiting. And I liked how every time it would look back at the prospector in the hole, he there was more blood on his in his shirt that it was expanding every time, which I can't imagine was an easy thing to, you know, do. But I love it. And then he jumps in and yeah, there's a fight, and then he, he shoots him a lot. But it's, I, I think it's a classic piece of Coen Brothers violence, and it's very, yeah, it's very entertaining and cool. I love, you I, know, I love seeing violence. I know you do. You're just like Buster Scruggs. Whoa. I don't know why, if the, if the thief was so worried about the prospector maybe feigning death, I don't know why he didn't just double tap him, like, it, was he trying to save bullets, or why didn't he just shoot him again? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I also, I also thought the gag when he puts back some of the eggs and then takes another one and says, how high can a bird count anyway? I thought that was kind of funny. Especially in light of the, the story that we had just seen. Yeah. Yeah, the coming chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it, made me, it made me laugh. Yeah, the, the stories they do... <laughs> It's just like that uh, George Lucas quote about Star Wars movies. It's like uh, it's like poetry, you know. They they rhyme with each other. Yeah, all of these stories they they rhyme with each other. <laughs> all right, well let's uh, let's get to the next one, and this is the longest. Unless I'm missing my count, this is the longest of the stories. 
It's mm-hmm. I want to say it's like almost thirty minutes long, which it's, is significantly long longer. One. Yeah, the girl who was rattled. This girl this got one, rattled. Uh, this this one I really enjoyed this, and I don't remember enjoying it a huge amount when I saw it the first time, but I I really enjoyed that. I really liked this one a lot. It's I put it as my second favorite one. I I thought um, Zoe Kazan, right? Kazan, yeah, Kazan, something like that. I thought she, I think she does a really great job as the titular girl who gets rattled. And I just think it's a it's a really cute story. I think it's a it reminded me a lot of like raising Arizona. <laughs> it's a cute story until the end. <laughs> the bulk of the story it reminded me of raising Arizona. That it's a very cute little love story, which the Coens don't really do very much. And I I really appreciated it. So yeah, I really enjoyed this story. It's got a a bummer of an ending, though. <laughs> I would also say this is probably my second favorite one. Yeah, the ending is absolutely brutal, and it is an example of that Cohen Brothers dark, bitter irony kind of thing. In this case, it's not about a character reaping the consequences of their own bad decisions. It's just really, really bad luck. But it feels a lot more earned and, you know impactful than something like like all quiet on the western front uh the new one where the main character dying you know right before being saved feels a lot more try hard a lot more convoluted in this case i think it's it feels a lot more feels a lot more tragic it is it is brutal but yeah i and i think that it, it manages to do it without feeling without making the rest of the story feel pointless or like it's this sudden jarring tone shift because the rest of the, the for most of the story it is a fairly not necessarily conventional but it definitely has the sort of energy and the characters of an old romance novel and if you if you major in English at Simpson College you will read lots of old romance novels. So I, yeah, woo. I, I recognized a lot of the, you know, the archetypes that were being employed here. I really like Zoe Kazan and also can't remember who, who plays him, but Billy Knapp, uh, the guy who eventually she gets engaged to seems like a really, a really swell fella. <laughs> I think that the uh, the final action piece here with Mr. Arthur fighting off the... I don't know what they are. I think they're probably Comanche. Maybe not. You know, don't quote me on that. But the, the Native American tribes, which is obviously like the oldest trick in the book, the cowboys versus Indians tropes in yeah. old westerns. I think it's really well done. Uh, like we were talking about Last week with Pirates of the Caribbean, I think it's a good example of an escalating action set piece because you have the first attack where they realize that there's prairie dog holes so they can't make a head-on assault so they have to come from the other side. And at that point, he gets out from behind cover so he has a better shot. 
and yeah, I think it's it's very well done, especially considering the Coen brothers don't usually do that kind of thing. Like, there is definitely action in something like No Country for Old Men, but it is much more small-scale, kind of intimate uh, violence, whereas this is more of your classic big shootout, and I think they did they did it pretty well. Well, I also wanted to call attention to something that I've always appreciated in the Coen Brothers movies. I don't, again, I don't love their movies, but I think they always have a really good understanding of shot reverse shot, which if you're not, you know, super well versed in movies is when you do basically anytime there's a conversation, usually there's shot reverse shot. So a shot of the person, the reverse shot, which is the shot of the other person, and then back and forth as you get the conversation. And the Coens have a really good understanding of how to make that still convey something in the scene where William proposes to Alice. It is initially outside the conversation, like the camera's over the shoulder. So it's, we're kind of from the outside looking in where it's a very, a lot of the times that's the shot you want to use if it's, you know, you're just telling a story. You're not really in the story, but you're seeing a story. And then there's a moment when they both start being a bit more honest that he's, you know, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's tripping over words. And I think the actor does a really fantastic job. And the camera moves in. So now we're not viewing the story. We're in the story. Like, it's a much more human, warm sort of feeling. And they do it a couple times then, I think, again, in conversations between Alice and William. But I just, I love... I love stuff like that because it's easy to just go put the camera over the shoulder, shoot, 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 shoot. Great. We got it. And I, I, I always like it when the directors are like, okay, what do we, you know, what's the flavor of this conversation? What's the tone of this? And what do we want to convey? So I, I really like that. I feel like we should also say we've been talking like everyone has seen this movie in case somebody's listening who hasn't seen it, what we're referring to in terms of, brutal endings is at the very end mr arthur who's like an accomplished uh gunslinger is going to try to defend he and alice have broken off from the wagon train that they're a part of and he's going to try to defend them from a native american war party and he gives her a revolver with two bullets in it and he says if he gets killed she should kill herself in order to avoid a very protracted, painful death. And then, at the very end of the fight, Mr. Arthur gets knocked down by a surprise a surprise attack, uh, but he, he fakes being dead so he can... So when the, the warrior tries to finish him off, he just shoots him, and then he goes back over, and Alice, having seen him fall, thought he was dead and had killed herself. So yeah, it's, it is absolutely brutal brutal ending yeah i also think i really like the character of mr arthur in this ending that he's got a real he's not like devastated by it and he's more like like you kind of said earlier with the dramatic irony he's more like god like you know he's just like oh that was you know that was stupid that was rash that it really feels like he's a character who he's seen a lot he's been on a lot of wagon trains where he's had to see people get, you know, killed. And so he's not devastated by it, but he does have this sort of 
wry, wistful, wistful sort of, you know, sadness associated with it. Mm-hmm. Violence in Coen Brothers movies is never clean, you know? It's always very messy. People rarely die at the first shot, and it, the, it, they usually take a while to uh, bleed out. I don't. I think that they. I don't think they are ever trying to, you know, glorify or sensationalize violence. I think that as a directing team, and like we talked about when we did Hell or High Water, violence, mm. you know, uncompromising, realistic violence is key to the neo-western genre. And despite this being very much a genre western, like like we've said, a very classic kind of Western story. I do think there are strong elements of neo-Westerns in it, and I think that the way it handles violence is part of that. Yeah. It's not romanticized. It's not Mm -hmm. fancy, flashy violence. It's very quick, brutal violence. Well, I guess uh, (laughs) Surly Joe dying is a little fancy, but that's just because Buster Scruggs is kind of fancy. All right. Well, on, on to the last, the, uh, the, final, the final section. Uh, this one's okay. This, this is probably my second least favorite, but there's a significant margin between this one and the one with Liam Neeson. Uh, this one is just five characters riding in a carriage to some place and just them talking. So it's not action heavy. It's very dialogue heavy. But I think it's very interesting, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't think it was amazing. I just was like, okay, it was it was it was mildly entertaining, I guess. This was easily my least favorite. Um, really, because I think that I, I think that it's kind of boring. I don't think that any of the characters in the carriage are very interesting at all. They're all just kind of, I mean, they're all just kind of boring. Even the, even the two bounty hunters aren't all that interesting. And the thing about this one, it becomes clear by the end that at least the, so there's two bounty hunters and then three, there's a a Frenchman, a sort of prim and proper woman and a trapper. And it becomes clear that the, the Frenchman, the woman and the trapper are all dead uh, and they're being taken to the afterlife or whatever, which is a, you know, that's a classic kind of Western trope image thing. But yeah, none of them are very, none of them really have anything that interesting to say or do. And yeah, it's, it just, it's, it's not a great way to end the movie. Nathan, you had what I thought was a fantastic idea when we first watched this together, you proposed that it should be the same basic story structure of characters being taken on a carriage ride into the afterlife, but you proposed that it be everyone who had died, or all the main characters who had died, from the other stories. So Buster Scruggs, uh, the thespian, the kid who tried to rob the prospector, and Alice Longabout. I think that would have been... I think that would have been great. That's a great idea, Nathan. <laughs> well, thank you, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I did think of that as I watched this one, and I still think 
it would have been a neat way to tie together because I think there's a pervading theme throughout the whole, throughout all of them of death, obviously, as evidenced by the fact that so many characters die. And I think it's how each of the characters see death. One of the more interesting conversations in the movie, I thought, was one with William and Alice where they're both religious. And so they're both kind of talking about how death isn't necessarily, you know, a bad thing, which I think helps to kind of lighten the blow when Alice dies, that since we just saw this sequence of her being like, well, you know, you die, but you go to a better place. I think it would have been interesting to see Buster Scruggs and I, it would have been interesting to see these characters discuss death. And it, I think it would have brought together the ideas of, you know, dying and nihilism and sort of the stuff that the stuff that the Comans are always kind of playing with. I think it would have come through even more clearly if we had a better idea of these characters, which we would have if they were the characters we'd already been introduced to. Otherwise, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of boring. It's none of the characters are super interesting. The Trapper talks forever for forever. And then they call him tedious. And I'm like, yeah, he is tedious. I don't. And yeah, it's just it. it's not a great ending. Yep. <clears throat> Disappointing. But, you know, it's not terrible. It's just it's just kind of boring. Well, it still has some interesting things. I like when they're like, you know, there's two types of people and the one guy says lucky and unlucky. I was like, oh, in Coen Brothers movies, there's definitely two types of lucky and unlucky. That is definitely the two types of people in a Coen Brothers movie. So this is also, this would be like the last scene the Coen Brothers maybe will ever make since they're no longer making movies together. Yep. So they should have just had every every Coen Brothers character who had ever died. <laughs> Steve Buscemi from, from Fargo. Llewellyn Moss from No Country. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> that would have been insane. I, that one crazy Satan guy from Raising Arizona. Oh that, yeah. That would, have, yeah. <laughs> that would have been neat. Steve Steve Buscemi from The Big Lebowski. Spoilers for The Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, two Steve Buscemi's. <laughs> that would be great. That would be, I, would love that. I don't know. I don't know if a movie could take two Steve Buscemi's. That's a lot of Buscemi. I think they should add one. Uh, they should add another one just for fun. Just make up a new one, a new <laughs> Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Take the one from Reservoir Dogs. That's funny. It'd be like it'd be like Infinity War for sad film bros <laughs> who love Coen Brothers movies. It would. Whoa! That's funny. But right. alas, um, yeah. So, uh, do you have any closing thoughts? We really, I mean. We really, we really went point by point on this movie. I thought. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add on the technical aspects. Uh, I'd say the Coen brothers are always very good directors. They work with great cinematographers. I think that the music, despite being very sparing, is really good. Really good score by Carter Burwell, who they work with quite a lot. 
And yeah, like you pointed out, the lighting and the uh, cinematography kind of varies from story to story, and it's always story appropriate. So yeah, this is just a really strong, solid movie. I, I think that probably not every story is for everyone. I mean, there are stories in this that both of us don't like as much as the other ones, but there's probably, of these five, there's at least one that someone is going to really enjoy. Yeah, there's six stories also. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'd also like to say that uh, Meal Ticket, the one that I like the least, also has a ton of Dutch angles, which did decrease my enjoyment of the piece. I don't remember that. No, there was, there was like, there was enough that I noticed and then it irked me. So, but yeah, otherwise I'd agree. I love, I, I enjoy the Coens at times. And I think there's a lot of really neat shots in this. Uh, I, I like the shot of Buster Scruggs looking at the hole in his own hat. I think that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I just love Buster Scruggs. I just love that whole bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You really relate to him. You're also a sociopathic, sadistic, crazy guy. That's not true. It is true. I wish I could talk like him, though. I wish I could go up to people and be like, it seems like you're as poor a judge of human character as you are an example of one. (laughs) Well, that started out decent, but yeah, by the end, it really fell apart. Can't do accents. All right, whatever. Let's uh, let's get into ra- ratings. Elliot, what do you what do you give this film? Uh, I give this film a B plus. Very good, very strong movie that I you know every every year or so I like to like to pull out and give it a give it a watch. Yeah, I do, I feel like I've already I've already said my piece very thoroughly on this movie. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, I agree. I think I fall on probably a pretty similar thing. I think it's a 7.8, which I feel like I've given a lot of movies a 7.8 recently. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think if you really enjoy the Coen brothers, I think this is a really nice, almost greatest of, you know, greatest hits almost that it's playing with a lot of the same ideas they're playing with. It's doing a lot of the same things on a technical level and on a narrative level. And even for someone who doesn't love them all the time, I think this is a lot of fun. And I think it's I think it's worth a watch, you know, especially it's on Netflix. Everyone has Netflix. If you've, you know, trying to find something to watch, it's pretty fun. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say it's fun. It's a bit of a downer, but I enjoy it. <laughs> all right, Elliot, what's what what's your recommendation? Uh, so I'm going to cheat. Uh, I'm going to break the rule and recommend a movie from the same director uh, in this case, just because the Coen brothers don't really make movies like anyone else makes movies. So I had a really hard time with this one. But I'm going to go with Fargo, uh, directed by the Coens, because I think it's the most similar to this movie's overall tone and story. Um, it's got the same dark comedy, it's got the same emphasis on bitter irony, um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as depressing as Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or at least the most depressing ones, um, 
Honestly, if you like the Coen brothers, I'm assuming you've already seen Fargo because that's probably their most well-known, well-liked movie. Um, For uh, other people, it's the story of a guy who hires these two uh, thugs to kidnap his wife to try to get his father-in-law to pay them a bunch of money that they would then give to him uh, because he's struggling financially. And like a lot of the Coen brothers' characters, he's a bit of a sad sack. Uh, He doesn't really know how to stand up for himself. And the movie is about how this deal with the devil that he makes quickly gets out of his control and the fairly severe consequences it has for him and his wife and a lot of other people. But yeah, it's it's very funny. It's darkly funny at times and sometimes just regular funny. And uh, I think it's a it's it's just a really good Coen Brothers movie full of people making stupid decisions and then suffering, <laughs> which is it's basically life, you know? You know, life is basically just people making stupid decisions and then suffering. So yeah. <laughs> Great movie, though. Yeah, it is a great movie. I enjoy that movie quite a bit. If you've seen the movie and you haven't seen the show, you should definitely Oof. get around and see, at the very least, the first season. Uh, the other seasons can be debated on quality-wise, I think. But the first season is really amazing and builds, you know. Honestly, I, I kind of thought during this of having that be my recommendation. But instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a bit of a different way. Uh, mine is Tampopo, which is a, ooh, I don't know if it's Japanese or Korean. It's an Asian movie. It's also a s- sort of an anthology where it's a series of vignettes all building around the same idea of hunger, mostly related to food. It's a movie about food. It's got a through line of a person trying to learn how to cook noodles well. And there's like other side stories that are about people eating and stealing food and doing weird things with food. But, uh, and I know it sounds weird, but it is incredibly weird. So it's hard to not make it sound weird, but it's a ton of fun. I find it super funny. It's playing with, it's like Rocky. If Rocky was trying to do something incredibly pointless as his goal, so it's very funny, it's very cool, it's very quirky. Um, I think it's got a lot in common, I think, with Coen Brothers sorts of movies, that it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, and it's very, uh, it's kind of winking at its audience at some points. But it's a really good movie, so I think more people should watch it. I've never heard of that movie, so I cannot speak to it. Yeah. Well, it's really good. If uh, Sometime we should watch it or something. We should watch it this weekend. Gosh. Well, anyways, let's, uh, let's leave arguing to later on. For now, I think it's important to say that life is hard and full of disappointments, as always. Yeah. Because, you know, that's just, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I'm sorry. I didn't want to be the one to tell you all this, but... Uh, uh, you, you need to know that if you're going to be alive, then you're you're going to need to own up to that fact. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I don't know about all that, but I think this movie <laughs> certainly would agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, hopefully everyone enjoyed this. If you're going back to school, you know, good luck on school. If you're going back to regular work, you know, good luck staying happy in modern day America. And, uh, yeah, we hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Magellan's of the Movies. Woohoo!